Another controversial week in the Premier League. We had six ties from 10 games, Liverpool lose their captain for the season, and Spurs squander a 3-0 lead. We're down here in the Rat Tail Bunker in Barbershop Studio, and this is the Boys and Bolos podcast. Welcome back to the Boys and Bolos podcast. Jarrett, we're down here. We out here in the Barbershop Rat Tail Bunker the barbershop is the recording studio, and the Rat Tail Bunker is our production room. I know. It sounds very official, but... It sounds bougie. It sounds very bougie, but it's 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 a low-budget affair down here. Jenna, Jeff's wife, Jenna, was down here when we were starting. We're always like, Jenna, you got to join the pod. And she like points down, and there was like a huge bug on the floor. She's like, I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah, she's not into it, but that's one, okay. One day, Jenna will be on the pod. Well, we don't have Jenna on the pod, but we do have another... Glover Park. Glover yes. Park? Glo- Glover? Glover Park? I think it's Glover. James, is it Glover Park? Well, you're asking the Englishman to... I mean, I'd say Glover. But Glover. <laughs> classic, classic. Well, so we have we have James on the pod tonight. James, welcome to the Boys and Bulls. How are how, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks very much for having me on. Appreciate it. So James is all the way in from D.C. by way of... England? Yeah. London? Central England, near Birmingham. Birmingham. Near Birmingham. Very nice. nice. And he's our first Newcastle fan, which is great because we do like to have diversity. We've had a lot of I'll Arsenal say, fans. Yeah, I'll, I'll call them red fans because they're like United fans, Arsenal fans, Liverpool fans. And so it's good to have a Newcastle fan on. And before we started to record, we were talking about Newcastle's potential ownership change, I guess you could call it. Yeah. And how that was massive, obviously, in the history of Chelsea. It's been massive for City. And so do you want to touch uh, briefly upon that or what that could look like? Well, I mean, essentially, it's a, it's a pretty complicated thing in terms of where it currently is. It's a, the deal is structured, so it's 80% money from Saudi Arabia's investment fund. And then the rest of the money comes from some British billionaires called the Rubin Brothers and a group which is headed by an investor called Amanda Staveley. So essentially, the big question has been over how much influence the Saudi government would have over the deal is the way it's being is the re, is what's really held it up essentially. That's caused some problems for people who are fans like me in terms of the human rights issues. I think that like this question's there. Do you want your fact owned by Saudi Arabia, right? In terms of what's held up the deal, it's actually not really the human rights stuff. It's Saudi Arabia was taking the rights and pirating essentially the, the Premier League games. So there's in Dubai, they owned the rights for the whole of the Middle East area, right? And it's B in sports that own it, okay? Essentially because of geopolitical things, those governments don't particularly like each other, right? So Saudi Arabia was pirating everything and put it, well, they weren't officially doing it. It was an organization running out of Saudi Arabia called B Out Q which is very subtle. <laughs> That's amazing. That's, I didn't know this, like but I'm excited. Finger. That's like the middle finger to them. Yeah, I'm excited to YouTube and Google like rabbit hole later and just send Jeff links like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> and so essentially, so they, they were basically pirating the Premier League's product. So when they then come to buy the club, the Premier League is like, well, we can't have somebody who's been pirating that's how they make their money, right? It's the, most of their money comes from TV revenue. And so they were like, we can't have somebody who's pirating our copyright material as an owner. And so then, then it's been an argument as to whether they 
were allowing the pirating to go on or whether they knew about it and also whether they are really going to be in charge of the club. So right now where it is, it was officially never decided that they wouldn't. Uh, so complicated. Like the, the Premier League never said no, the deal's dead. But uh, it got to a point where there was an impasse. And now lawyers are basically involved. Mike Ashley, who I don't know if you guys know, but he's our owner. He's a... Uh, not a very good owner because <laughs> he just basically doesn't invest in the team. He wants to sell. And so he's in engaged lawyers to try and get force the sale through. So we'll see how it goes. I don't know. Yeah. From what I understand is that that guy wants out. He just wants to get rid of the team and it's probably better if they get rid of it. I don't know if it's that, if it's Saudi group that buys it, but that, that somebody. It's gotta be tough because of COVID. Like he, in some sense is probably like, damn it. I wish I had sold a year before because I've got to assume that during COVID it's hard on clubs and the value of it is going down just because the potential revenue is in flux in question. And you know, when you buy a club, I'm sure you're buying potential future revenue growth, but if the current revenue growth is zilch, it's really tough to say, okay, yeah, it's going to be this or it's going to be that. Obviously if you, all the memes we saw of like Ronaldo and Mbappe, Messi, Holland, like, you know, a lineup where they're playing like two defenders and like eight forwards or some ridiculous thing. Who knows? I mean, you're going to sell enough Newcastle jerseys probably to make up half of that, I, I would assume, if you have all those players. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens because with that type of money being thrown around and with the competitiveness that we're going to get into with just even week five, seeing how the Prem is looking, another big team and splashing cash, just an unbelievable league. Unbelievably brutal. Yeah, definitely. I think that it would have been. The, the, there are some teams which I think are a great investment opportunity that I don't know why they don't get more looked into, you know. Which ones? Terms, you know, Aston Villa is the closest club to where I grew up. And I know that they have had Chinese money in the last few years, but the, but you got the second biggest city. They've got a big ground already, a huge fan base that's always been really loyal. I mean, they won the European Cup in like Champions League in 1982, I think, 82. So like they were, you know, they were a big deal going back. And so it'd be an interesting one. And I think the, the other one that I've heard about American investors being interested in is West Ham, which uh, another big storyline from the weekend. So That's a good transition. First game was my Blues looking subpar. They were up 2-1 and I said they need to score a third. And then they got scored upon, which was awesome. Great stuff. Keppel was involved. Love that guy. I just think he's the best goal in the world. The numbers on the betting lines was like plus 200. So, I mean, we totally should have won this game. If we're going to go for the title, which many people have think that we have a team potentially to do it, or at least on paper, we got to win this game. We can't drop these points. It's a joke. So when we were up 3-2, to two, I looked at Joe and said, we still need another goal. We still need another goal. Because we it was comfortable then. It was comfortable. And so Southampton scoring the third and it being, you know, Keppa was involved in some of that. It was just like, it was just a mind blow. I mean, so much of what I saw this week in the Premier League just looked like mental fatigue. Coming guys coming off international break, they're just not all there, not for 90 minutes. You have to be locked into soccer for 90 minutes, especially as a defender, or there are forwards that are going to take advantage of your errors. So when Zuma like half heads that back to Keppa, Keppa comes out and then doesn't kick it out like a normal goalie does. The ball goes by him. I'm just like, it, yep. it's just clown shoes, clown shoes. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought there were some positives that Chelsea t took away from that game. Uh, what were the positives? 
Oh, sorry, you're right. You're Timo right. Werner scored two goals, and Havertz scored a goal. Havertz scored a goal, and that's li- really what they want. What you wanted to see. You wanted to. You're see right. I'm being so negative, but that was actually positive. And so maybe it's one of those games where we tied, but in the long run, we'll look back and say that was the game where Werner finally got on the score sheet. Havertz looked pretty good. I think Havertz can only get better, or you know, look more dominant and really look like he's making plays and not being reactive because I think he has the skills to to kind of do what he wants. But yeah, it was good to see Timo Timo Werner get off the mark and finally because I mean between those two guys it was 120 million. It's a tenth of the entire transfer window or something on those two. So they need to be producing for Chelsea. There was also some interesting play. Was it the third goal? It was nice to see Pulisic involved right too. Was that the one like Pulisic played it through and then he squared to have it? So yeah. I love Pulisic. Yeah. yeah. Which for yeah. America as well is a big deal. He needs. He had such a great year last year. I was worried when they brought all those attackers that it might push him out. Like I hope he finds a way to to, to use all of those guys. You know, it was. It looked uncomfortable for Christian because I think at the end of the last, you know, in the reset, there were times where it was just like give it to Christian. That's it. Like that's all we really had moving forward. And so he would get the ball more often. I think of like basketball. You know, like some players play better when they're taking more of the shots because they're one of the only guys who the ball is going to go to. And I kind of felt like that this game that Christian looked a little, obviously his first game back, right? We have to put it in context. First game back after being months of being off. But I kind of hope that he gels and we do. Chelsea should have a big three. We should have Werner, Pulisic, and Ziyech moving forward. And I think they're going to need a little time to gel, but hopefully they do because if they have those big three, both those guys should all be getting between 20 20 total like between goals and assists 20 each minimally I think this season I think they have the skill to do it Ziyech was putting up ridiculous numbers at Ajax Timo Werner scored 24 goals in the Bundesliga Christian had an amazing season seeing as how he's out for half of it and he had no one else to play with so they should be more dominant I'm hoping by December but if they're not they're just not going to be title contenders and with our defense I think right now we're struggling for top four Zuma Looked poor, really poor. Christensen, I don't know why he even plays. But at least you have Chilwell. I mean, you play well. Chilwell played well, but we still gave up three goals. So, sorry, we'll go back to the first game of the day. I skipped over that. I got so excited to talk about Chelsea. I mean, you got a point. Media, Yeah, we got a point. That's cute. <laughs> awesome. Everyone's so excited. First first game of the day, Everton-Liverpool. Merseyside Derby. Merseyside Derby. And, I, you know, I get over to Jeff's house at 730 Ask crack of dawn, pardon my Spanish. And within like, I mean, even before nine o'clock, we're like, this is a this this is an issue. Because we are fans of the Premier League. We love the product that the Premier League puts out. And I don't think Pickford did it intentionally, right? We could talk about the goals. I don't think that that's maybe that important. I don't think Pickford did it intentionally, but I think the refs dropped the ball on this by not disciplining him in the game. Because it doesn't have to be intentional to also lead to a red card. It's it's it just doesn't. Ha- it was reckless. James, what did you? So were you able to see this in live time? Yeah, I did. Yeah, to me, it's a red card. I I don't like. As soon as I saw, it, I thought because I wasn't sure about the offside. I was like, that's going to be a PK. I mean, that was my immediate thought because I wasn't sure about the the offside. And then you realize they were checking for the offside and I thought well if they're checking for the offside they've got to see that he takes him out I mean it doesn't matter if we played the game like whether you're trying to hurt the player if you don't get the ball and you take the guy out it's a, it's reckless challenge and he should have seen red and I mean there was a couple of things in that game I just think like from an England perspective like 
Pickford there were some amazing saves, but like he just has these moments where like something goes, I rush up a blood to the head or whatever it is, but it, 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 you can't do that if you're an outfield player. Sometimes I think goalkeepers also, I think that's the other reason why maybe they're like it's four minutes, it's a goalkeeper, so we're not going to send him off. Whereas if it happens on the halfway line and it's a, a midfielder and it's like 30 minutes in, he probably he would go. You know, I think that, that stuff starts to play in sometimes too, you know? I mean, the Richarlison uh, red card was, I mean, the prime example of uh, the right call and the right red card given you know he was a really bad challenge reckless endangered the player luckily Ziyech I don't know how his knees stayed together on that and Tiago, that Tiago 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 sorry um how his knees stayed together on that because it looked bad it looked super <clears throat> bad on first take when they sold f- showed the first slowdown Jeff and I were like oh it's one of those ones you almost don't even want to watch because you're like you know after seeing San and Gomez last year I understand they look it's offside therefore it wasn't in play but it's so bad for the Premier League product, which is what Jeff and I are huge proponents of, and you are too. We want the league to succeed. In order for that to do it, the best players need to be a part of it. This is the first time in, I think, a decade. Someone will correct me on that. But I'm pretty sure a decade or more that a Premier League player, but a Premier League player has been in the top three for the golden ball. I don't even think Salah was in that. And the guy gets taken out for a season. And they're, they're, you know, they're current Premier League champions. I just think it's really rough. And he's the captain. There are so many things that, like, I would like to see the league protect that type of a player. And I know in other leagues, like in the professional in the U.S., I think that they would make calls to protect that player. But I could be wrong. The bottom line is, is the, the Premier League needs to protect the players and stop treating them like commodities. You know, stop treating them like they're, they can be bought and sold, which is wh- how they're treated right now. But when it comes down to it, the Premier League should want Liverpool, the teams playing in Europe, to do well. And if Liverpool doesn't have Van Dijk, they're not going to do well in Europe. They're not going to do well in the Premier, as well in the Premier League. With, They're still going to win games. They'll be fine. But they average like like 2.8 goals a, a game when they when Van Dyke's not in. But when he's in, it's like under two or something. It's, it's a crazy stat where he's he has a huge impact on, on the field when he's out there. And so when you lose your best center back, it'll impact the team greatly. And so Liverpool is going to have to make up some serious plays in the January transfer window and p- bring in the center back because – Van Dyke's out for nine months. There was some news where he, he had surgery yesterday or today on the, on the ACL. It's probably a, a full tear on that ACL. He, he's done f- until next season. You were talking about, James, earlier about the geopolitics of getting the deal from Saudi Arabia. You know, you're talking about Qatar and, and England and the UK and how that works. The geopolitics of this, too, is that Euro summer is going to be this next summer unless there's pandemia, right? Unless that continues and COVID takes that out. He's a huge part of Holland's team. This reverberates a lot farther than the Premier League. I just hope that a rule is created, maybe like a Tucker or something, where they'll at least go back and look and say, if something happens outside of a play that endangers a player's ability to continue to play, potentially even the entire season, something has to happen. There just has to be some punishment. I don't think Pickford, I think it was reckless. I don't think he meant to do it. I think the way Liverpool has handled it has honestly been really class. If that were Mourinho, I don't know if he'd be as cool. Klopp's just been like, hey, it's part of the game, whatever. I saw the piece that Van Dyke put out, I think it was on Twitter, saying, you know, he's recovering. Thank you to everyone. This is football. Everything happens for a reason. So I think he's been doing, you know, a good job. I just think even as a neutral and definitely as a Liverpool fan, even for Everton fans, you just don't want to see a guy of that caliber have to leave the season. It's just too bad. It's just too bad. Yeah, and it's and it especially like it's almost like a misreading of the rules the way that they've done it. Because if I if if we're playing and the whistle goes, 
and I hit you in the face, I can still be sent off of that, right? You can be sent off to things outside the play. So like, as far as I understood the rule, you know, you're still endangering the player and it's a huge loss for Liverpool. I think that you're saying about the statistics about how many they concede. It's not just that, it's that he never misses a game. I think that last year, he played like 37 out of 38 games in the league or something like that. It's not just that they don't do great without him. It's just also that he never actually misses games in the league too. That's a hu- It's going to be a huge deal for them, you know? It's crazy because VAR was supposed to be this thing that came in and it's to fix all these problems and, and to get things right, but they're still getting things wrong. So VAR is not fixing anything. It's actually, it's making everything more convoluted, everything, everybody more confused. And it's, it just speaks to like how much it's messed up the Premier League product. It's really bad. They can, they literally saw that he went down with a crazy injury. They could have just went, Hey, like we saw that that was a really reckless challenge. Like give pick for the red. Like that's, Easy. It's an easy decision. It's not hard. You just Michael Oliver needs to be in the room, not on the field, because he's clearly the, he's like the best referee in the league, and he's on the field being told by these bozos that uh it's not a foul. So he just has to say, okay, well it's not a foul. It's not his fault. Like I guess he could go over to the side thing and make a call, but it seems like the the refs are now defaulting to the room. So yeah, I think that happens too. Is that they they, they know the room's there, so they think, well, we're gonna let this go and assume that they're gonna tell me if something happens. The initial thing that was the call was about was whether it was actually offside, which then obviously in the last minute, I mean, the Henderson goal, they do chalk, chalk off for offside. And they, I think they've been told to let things go if it's an offside call. And so then I think that he's thinking that they're going to check everything on the play because it's an offside call. Then in the end, obviously, nobody's checking it. And then you end up with this crazy situation. It's, it's ridiculous. It, it is ridiculous. And I heard something today. It was on Sky Sports. They had on a referee, and I forget his name. He was a ref in the Premier League for like 10 years, and he was basically saying that you first have to go look, see if it's offside, and then you have to see if there was any like funny business that happened. Clearly, if you're the ref in real time, that looks like a pretty innocuous challenge. Van Dyke's a big guy. He gets hit. He goes down. Happens all the time. Goalies slam into people. It's not, you know, whatever. Plus, his angle on the, on the play, like the, the side refs are far away. He's looking at it straight on, and I think it happened like kind of like this. So I don't think he's I don't think he saw exactly like how reckless and how like bad the challenge was. So continue, sorry. Yeah, no. So it was exactly what you were saying though, James. Which is like it's then on VAR potentially to say, hey, you should go look at this. And I wonder, was it Michael Oliver? Was he the was he the ref? Michael Oliver is probably assuming then that they're gonna have his back and tell him if he needs to go look at something because that is where they dropped the ball. He could have, as far as I understand it given him a red card because as you say it's the same thing where if I'm a forward and I'm going to get a ball and I'm offside and the whistle's blown and I jump over the goalie but I cleat him in the face intentionally right and everyone sees it I would get a red card Mm -hmm. this is no different if you had seen it on second chance I think in real time it happened really quick the other thing is Van Dyke is so big that 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 the tackle for me was worse because if that were me Pickford would have eventually wrapped his legs around my like upper body and just knocked me over but because of where it hit him in the knee it's just like you can't take someone's acl acl up better than what pickford did but just putting all of the all of the weight at the side of the knee at a perfect 90 degree angle with a lot of speed and like so it's also because van dyke was so big if that were raheem sterling it would have just like knocked him over and he would have gotten up because it would have hit him in the midsection maybe in the ribs or in like the arm it's just a really weird play, and I do hope that something comes from it. But once again, I don't blame Pickford for it at all. I think he was going for the ball. I think it was reckless, but I don't think it was ever intentional. He seems to me like a stand-up guy in everything I've read about him and all of the interviews. So it's just a weird thing. But I hope 
as Jeff says, that the Premier League learns. And moving forward, there's something that, you know, is kind of put in place to say, hey, even if it's after the play, because we are letting plays go on when it is offside, we need to look and make sure we take care of the player's safety. 100%, yeah. Because, and, and this is a question I asked Jeff, I said, when was the last time in a box, in the box, in the offensive box, a player's taken down and has to leave the field and there's not a yellow, a red, or a penalty? I'll wait. Never happens. Guys get touched in the box, they fall over, and they'll be double jeopardy with a red and a, and a PK all the time. So to see a guy go out for a whole season and nothing happens, there's got to be a problem with the rule. Yeah. So. And then I think the, the other one with that, that game, the call, I mean, was the offside at the end, which the rule to me, playing the game, I played, you know, growing up and playing in college, the point of offside is to try and stop a guy, stopping guys standing behind the last defender and just cherry picking, right? That's, you know, the main aim of the rule. And when we're getting down to these late, I still haven't seen a picture really which shows that he was offside except for maybe like his pinky or something. It, again, just like make, it's so hard to score goals in soccer and when you're chalking them off for such small margin, they need to redress that too and say in the, the, v, the VAR, unless you can really tell that it was a part of the body that could play the ball that was off by, you know, like any real actual advantage. You're not telling me that Marnie got any advantage from that that allowed for the goal, right? His back know. was to the net. Yeah. I mean, he d- it doesn't even make sense. It, like it, it, it made zero sense. It made sense. So in the NFL, like I, we're always going to talk about the NFL because it's like they've been doing instant they've been doing replay video for a long review time. Video review. There has to be clear evidence to overturn the call, right? And so the call wasn't that it was offsides and they let it play. It was There was a goal and then they went and checked for offsides. So to me, there has to be very clear evidence that Mane was offsides. And maybe his arm was like the fibers of his jersey were over the, were past the Liverpool last should have stuck with uh, New Balance. They got those Nike oh, jerseys, and now guys are offsides. They're all flapping. Around. They're all flapping, or like Monty's been doing more like tricep dips. I don't know. But yeah, it's got to be the core of the body. His feet were like behind the defender. I, I don't know. It's it's silly. It's just so silly. Like in baseball, the tie goes to the runner. If you're close enough, it's like whatever. Because no, Monty had zero advantage. And as Jeff said, like his body position was, I think it was even negative. He wasn't even facing the goal. I mean. It's just shit. Jeff and I both celebrated because we wanted to see Liverpool win that game. They didn't, or we, we had predicted on the pod that they would win, and they didn't. I don't want to actually take anything away. I think Everton are looking great. They're moving forward. They look like they, and Aston Villa, rightly so, they're one and two, I think. They look like the two best teams. Other, other squads are better from A to Z from their players on paper but those two teams look like the best teams. And this was the first week, too. I'm going to disagree with you on that. Well, this is the first week, too, where Everton actually played a bigger team. I completely think Everton is a sham. They're a sham. They're, they're a sham. Everton is a sham. They've won, they've won three games over VAR calls. They beat the Spurs on a, a, uh, a foul that they moved ahead 20 yards. Who's who's in front? Jeff's a Spurs fan. Oh, yeah. yeah, you can. But I'm, I'm saying they're a sham. I'm not saying that they're a better. I'm not saying they're the best team in the league. No, I'm no, not no. Say I, I, understand, I understand. Who's going to be ahead at Christmas? Spurs or Everton? Spurs, 100%. Everton doesn't have the, doesn't have the depth. Everton, Hammers looked really good. Yep. And Calvert-Lewin is banging them in right now. I, do, I get what you're saying. They're not definitely not one of the best teams in the league, but I, I, I could see they might be ahead of, of Spurs. They're going to drop. They're going to drop points in the next three or four games. But Charleston's out for three games. He's one of their best players. Yeah. Um, and this team, uh, Pickford has days where he looks bad. Pickford sometimes plays really poorly. 
and sometimes he stands in his head, and you don't know what you're going to get out of Pickford. I think Spurs easily could have beat them that first game. Pickford made some crazy saves. We're not going to keep talking about how Everton, I think, are a sham. But they are a sham. They're a sham. They're 100% sham. And, P- and Everton fans are going to hate me for that. They're going to hate it. I, I but disagree. They're, they're, I disagree. They're not. They're not. They're the they deal. might be top eight, but they're not. They're, they're not anything. They're the new Leicester. They're, they're not going to w- get a Champions no, League spot this year. <laughs> they're not the new Leicester. We've covered two games, and it's been 40 minutes. Next game. <laughs> Sorry. No, it, it's our fault. <laughs> Man City Arsenal was, uh, it was awake. I watched it and, it and I fell asleep and like minute 70, I woke up and I was at my parents house. I woke up and I was drooling and I was like, this is so bad. So it was, it was bad. Arsenal just didn't look like they even came out to play. Once again, I don't even know like what Miguel Arteta is like, like what's he doing in the locker room? We're just going to go out and out possess city. Yeah. Good luck. I, I don't understand what, what his gameplay is. And Aubameyang, it's so bad that they have a player like Aubameyang who looked like he was so useless. He was like, the only word I can use to describe Arsenal in that game was sterile. They just didn't show up. And so I we had also predicted <laughs> we got all of our picks wrong on, on the pod, which is a good thing. Except the Villa pick. Except the Villa pick because we're, we're going for bold, bold predictions. But we had predicted Arsenal to actually beat City without De Bruyne, and City have just looked not on. But Man City won one nothing, And Sterling I don't scored. really know if there's anything more to say on they that game. They look good game. defensively. I'll, I'll give them that. Yeah, I mean, they, they got a clean sheet. The next game... James, James's boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah we were yeah. rooting for Newcastle. We, we also not. predicted Newcastle winning. Yes. It oh, was wow. going to be always goodbye. Uh, but what, James, you want to break down that game? Because that game. Uh, I mean, we have. We used to. So under Rafa a couple of years ago, we used to play really defensive and we could defend pretty well. Like, we didn't concede many goals. We were pretty boring to watch a lot of times, but you could see the plan. Since Bruce has come in, They've stayed quite like defensive, but they don't even defend that well anymore. <laughs> so it's like it was—I mean, it was painful. Four-one, obviously, most of the it, like going back to the thing about teams being tired. I mean, how many goals were scored? Like 80, 80 minutes plus this weekend. I mean, a lot of goals. I mean, and we conceded th- those three goals in the last. I think the, the goal was at eighty-six, and so like to make it 2-1 but you can't argue with it because we were not good at all really I mean they just didn't offer very much going forward and like we've all seen United this year they're not up to much so I, you just want to they're to not up to much that's <laughs> the name of their Amazon documentary <laughs> Manchester United they're not up to much it's just like they're just they're like walking shit. around we're always thinking of creative names for uh the pod title and that might be it yeah, Man yeah. United they're not up to much well <laughs> I mean, Harry Maguire. We just, I just ragged on Harry Maguire for oh, like an man. entire week. His slab head, slab head, Easter Island head. <laughs> but like him scoring a goal was just like, oh come on. Oh yeah, it's quite easy for him to score a goal when you, they just literally gave him like a run on the ball. I mean, it was a good header, no. but the, the, they, nobody picked him up. It's like so frustrating. And that's all coaching. Like it's like somebody's got to know that that's your guy to pick up. That's that's coaching. So that's I mean. Two managers who shouldn't be in their job, Steve Bruce and Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, right there. I like how when you started talking about Newcastle of old, like you started a sentence under Rafa. I feel like any sentence starting with under Rafa is a dark sentence because like he's coached in a lot of teams in the Prem (laughs) and it always ends not great, clearly. But the thing about Newcastle and Jeff and I were watching, what is the thing that is told to St. Maximin? Because the dude doesn't pass. 
It was like watching PlayStation, like when people watch me play FIFA because I don't know how to play, so I don't know how to pass. So I'm just like dribbling in circles. What's the game plan there? Does Steepers like, yeah, go out and dribble until you get a red card, and then maybe we'll beat him with, with, t- with 10 men. Like, how does that work? You know what I'm talking about? He would literally dribble himself in circles. Yeah, I think that, like, last year he was great for us. He was awesome. He was our best player by a long... Except for the goalkeeper. But, again, that's because the goalkeeper gets so much work. Dubravka and Dala this weekend was at... He, the goalkeeper who was playing was our second goalkeeper. He had a good game. He had a great game. hurt, though, and they wouldn't take him yeah, out. That, I was screaming bad. at the TV. What were they doing? Uh, was so, I felt bad for him, dude. And he then he gets even... a bunch of goals scored on him. Jeff and I didn't understand that. Like. Yeah. I mean, I think it's because he was weighing so that he could try if because he knew we were going to probably concede and he wanted to be able to bring on Almiron, which makes no sense. Like, if you're going to no, bring I on wouldn't. Almiron, do it and try and win the game. Don't go, well, we're losing. Uh, so we're tying. We'll try and hold on to the tie. And then if we lose a goal, we'll have three minutes with Almiron on the book. It doesn't make sense. And yeah, like going back to the to Maximan, I think it just, again, goes back to like, they don't have any real patterns of play. Like in the final third, we don't really have anything. You know, like a te- most teams, you're like, well, they like to get out wide and get crosses into the box, or they, they want to counterattack and do it in this way. Newcastle under Bruce have not had that kind of specificity. So I think they're like, we know that he's fast and he's got some skills. So they pass him the ball with the hope that he can get something done. And he doesn't have a direction of, well, I know I've got to go bet and this way and, or I've got to pat like we're going to pass in the triangle and this, whatever it is, you know, there's no tactics, frankly, you know, there's nothing uh, going on there. And, and so, so, so I kind of feel bad for the guy because I think he's trying to do everything in himself. And then he ends up doing very little because he right in this game, he was just running into blind alleys and it was clearly United knew to put a couple of guys on him just force him into errors because there was nothing else that was going to happen. You know, there was no other play that we had to go to, you know? For for me, it just was kind of tragic towards the end when Darlow was, like, definitely in pain. Looked, like, I just felt bad for you the guy. You got to put him out of his misery. Yeah, dude. it's like, like, he's a class. He, he has been playing really well. He played really well against Tottenham. He played well last, I mean, played he well. played well at the beginning until he got hurt. Yeah. I mean, he saved a PK. Like, and no, yeah. nobody saves from Fernandez. Uh, no, he, he's never yeah. missed in his life. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's great. I didn't actually watch that. When they gave it, I ran into the kitchen. I was like, Jeff, I don't watch it. And I just hear I Jeff screaming. Watch the, I don't want to see Fernandez. I don't want to see the, the hop skipping a jump. And then Jeff starts screaming. And I'm like, oh, my God. There is a God. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, I was like, well, this game's going to end in a tie. That's 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 how I felt, too. Yeah. And then I was also starting to like be like, goodbye, Ole. Yeah, I know. Ciao. Um, where do you think Newcastle finishes the season? Big question. That's a great question. I don't think that Bruce sees out the season as manager, right? There's a lot of people who already are kind of angry at him. And this is like one of those things about not having fans in. I think it would be a mu- he'd be much closer to losing his job if there was fans in the, in the ground right now. I think that's true of Ole, too. Like, if fans are there and it makes such a big difference for making those type of calls. But I still think he'll go by the end of the season if they do legally manage to get the takeover through, that completely changes our plan in in, uh, January. I still think there's three worst teams in us, but that's the the kind of depressing thing about being a Newcastle fan is that's what you're thinking about. I think that we'll probably finish anywhere between 16th and 12th, probably, you know, 13th. I I look at it and you look at like, we're not great, but Burnley, Fulham, there's a lot, you know, West Brom, West Brom. You, you know, there's teams that all finish below us. That's, oh, Sheffield. And that's, that's Sheffield now. Sheffield. Yeah. 
Sheffield are on them. Oof. Well, let's oh, move on to the uh, to the next game. Sheffield Fulham, one uh, one. I'm not. Let's just skip great. Over next this game. Next game. Crystal Palace, Brighton Hove, one one. One one. Next game. Oh, and then we get to the next game. A tale of two halves. I uh, know we weren't even halves. Tottenham played well for about s- eighty-two minutes. I would say. Se- I would say. Actually, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go a little self-deprecation on this. I think that they escaped a few close calls before the subs came in, especially at the end of the first half when. Harry Kane was playing literally in the box and saved a shot by diving on the ground. He got stepped on and he looked like he was injured, but yeah, like he was they were they were dropping guys back. Like here's the thing. Their their defense is trash. Like right now their defense is trash. It's trash. It's the defense is trash when Jeff says to me, "We played poorly because we didn't have Dyer." That's bad. That's bad. It's really bad. Not good. That's dark. Really dark. So, the game was actually it should have been over. I mean, Spurs scored three goals in the first half. They looked really, really strong. I mean, they went to halftime looking. Jarrett was texting me. He was like, ah, it's another. It's a three points in the books. I, I texted him at 40, 45. I was like, title contenders. And one of my uh, one of my friends, he just became a Spurs fan. He was, like, trying to get into the EPL, and he, like, looked at all the teams. He's like, I want to be a Spurs fan. And he was texting me, too. He's like, son, son, Kane, Kane. And then at the end, he just like texts me. He's like, "Jesus Christ!" This is what it's like <laughs> to be a Spurs fan. That's exactly. What That's what he said. You know, it's like the most Spurs thing ever. Yeah. To, to Nick, Nick said this is the most. Uh, I'll have to find the text. What do you say? I've never seen a more on-brand Spurs performance than this. <laughs> no punctuation. Like he just kind of like left it open-ended. <laughs> so absolutely typical lads. It's Tottenham, as, as Sir Alex Ferguson once said. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You, you, here's the thing that is uncharacteristic of Mourinho teams sure Spurs maybe will do that I've always felt like Spurs can beat any team in Europe on any day and then literally lose to any team in Europe on like the same week that's really atypical of Mourinho I'm like still not convinced he's not still throwing chairs at like somebody you just don't do that you don't give up three goals to lose a game like what from the 82nd on I think it was so the problem is, is that they have players back there who are liabilities and they've been liabilities since day one and because they score a goal here or there or because they they make a run or they do something offensively they get passes and so Serge Aurier is is not a good defender he can maybe he scored a goal in the United game so I guess he deserves a start maybe Doherty was hurt but Doherty is a better defender and a better player making choices out of the back than Aurier and Doherty will pass the ball instead of taking like five touches to try to to try to like I don't know what he's trying to do but with two minutes left in the game you boot the ball up the line I don't care who you are it, you saw what wolves did today they went up one nothing and they just booted the ball out because they know how to defend that's what you do it's you learn it and you ate soccer you boot the ball out I game, don't care if game it's management. not pretty it's just game management it's just so what happens is Aurier that last that last play the last play where they, they scored the worldly Aurier tries to take an extra touch instead of booting it up he loses the ball and then fouls the guy. Game over. That's it. That's the same thing that happened in the Everton game. Same thing. Same well, fucking and thing. Then, and it's not just t- I mean, Tully, it, it, he was, but like, Winks could have cleared it, tried to oh, yeah. pass, pass, pass the man. Like, just get rid of it. <laughs> just get rid of it. Yes. And and so so the problem was that I think Mourinho was a big part of the of the tie. Mourinho making the choice to put Winks on in the 75th minute for Ndombele was a poor choice. Even if Ndombele is tired, take him off like 10 minutes later because Winks is not good. He's not good. I know he's from England. I know people love him, like whatever. He's a Spurs guy. He's not a starting 
player on this. He's not a you player that should is? play. In I, th- the I, League. I think he's better. I, I no. think he's better than what no. you're saying. No, no. As a as a holding midfielder, no, he's terrible. No, he's terrible. Well, if you have, I mean, your choice. You can put out the Celso. You can put out Nandombele. You can put out Lamella. Even if they're attacking, they're better than Winks. They're better. I I think a bigger problem is just the system. I think Mourinho likes to park the bus, and he tried to do that, and he can't park the bus with his team mm. because. The, the other thing is, like, other than maybe San, there aren't any top players on, when I say top players, I mean, like, forwards on Tottenham that come back and are, like, I worry about, that are going to be in a hard tackle. They just don't have that. And I think Mourinho's always had, you know, Mourinho's always favored players who are going to just be beasts on defense, even though they were more offensive players. That's why he didn't like Juan Mata. He's like, I can't defend with Mata. He's a liability. When I defend with Mata, I defend him a man down. Yeah. I just think it's unfortunate that Gareth Bale got made made his de- his re de- his second debut, and we're talking about how bad fu- how bad Aurier and 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 Winks. There's are. nothing more Spurs than that. Yeah, and so nothing Gareth Bale Spurs. actually missed a sitter like yeah. with in the. How did he minute. not put that away? I mean, the other thing is like let's not like let Tottenham play victim. They should have finished the game off probably six nothing or like you know or more. Correct. He's yeah. got to finish that. The little like the little one two he had, the little whip whap between. By the Good defender stuff. was just world class. There's like a couple yeah. players in the world that do that. Gets himself in, opens up, just doesn't. I mean, Shanks I was just it. like, oh, he's pl- pl- playing too much golf, Jeff. He looked, he looked out of breath after it too. He yeah, like, he's tired. oh, he he's still tired. In, he's, he's still been tired. Soccer in a year. Yeah, he's played soccer since like 2017. <laughs> and here's here's a question for you, like as a Spurs fan, because I've seen him and never been impressed with it. Is Davison Sanchez? I mean, not just because he scored the OG, but like just in general, like. He is not. Uh... <laughs> get him out of there. Davison Sanchez is not. Okay, I get it. They gave him. A, they gave him a trial run, a three-year trial run to like let him develop because he's young. No, he's terrible. He's not good. He's not a good center back. I think the problem with that game is that Dyer was hurt, so they had literally nobody back there. R- Rodon, the new signing, wasn't eligible to play. He's not eligible to play in the Europa League. They literally have nobody, and Mourinho's not willing to change his his formation. He's not willing to do it. There's no you got to put. So they put Sanchez back there because who the fuck knows? And I, I like Sanchez on a more personal note. On a personal note, he's Colombian. That's why he likes him. God damn. But dude. at least when he scored, he buried it. You know. <laughs> We're going to the next game. No wait, wait. One more thing about about one more thing. One more thing. January transfer window. Window. If they do not get Screenier or another center back from somewhere else, and they pay big money for him, they're not top four. Not top four because this is not a top four team without a, d- a good center back. Because you need a center back. Because you can put Toby, you can rotate Toby, Alderweireld, Dyer, Screenier, and Rodon. You can rotate them, and Screenier will make whatever other center back pairing better. Here's the thing that you're now going to have to deal with, and most teams, because most teams have dog shit center backs. There's now going to be another team from the Premier League looking for a center back in the winter. And that team's run by Jurgen Klopp. Yep. So that's going to be something else. Leicester, Aston Villa, this is the one we actually called. We said that they would win. <laughs> well, 0 0 down to the wire. Oh, they won. Uh, your boy. Good old my boy. Ross AKA Parker. Chelsea players always look better on loan. Ross, Ross Beasy, burying it. It was just the wrong move. That was like, like with Barkley, he's the type of guy who's going to do really well. Uh, like a mid a, a, a mid level to like top eight team. It happens so often. They go then they go to a bigger team and they just can't 
they're, they're not, they're, they need to be the, the big star on the team. They don't quite have the right mentality or the right level of talent. Like Zaha, when he was at Man United, or there's some players where they just do really well. And it's great for, for, for those teams that like, he'll do great for Villa, but he just doesn't quite have that mentality or something you know, to step up into those top, top teams. I talked about it, I think, last week, and I think the thing is that when Chelsea, when you play on a team like Chelsea or a top team where you have 60 to 70% possession and you have the guys pinned back, you need an extra little spice to be able to break down defenses like that. He just doesn't have it. He, he's not technically quick enough to play a quick one two, work off the ball, and be nice and tight spaces. Whereas when it's an open game and he can work in a counterattack, he's, he's more of an athlete than a soccer player, I think, is my assessment of Ross Barkley. He's a pretty fit dude you know he's pretty agile like he's an athlete more than a soccer player and so he needs these like open kind of like knock him out games whereas a more technical game that's a little bit more controlled and about tactics he just gets lost and he looks like shit so i'm actually happy he can run up his value at aston villa we still won't take him back and then we'll either sell him to aston villa for more money than we were probably going to get when we loaned him out or we'll you know he'll go to like italy or something so it's a win for us because he would be sitting on the bench, you know, accruing no value. Oh, well, West Brom, Burnley, 0-0. Zero, zero. Zero. No, 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 move on. Ma'am. <laughs> Relegation teams. Ma'am, ma'am. Uh, and then Leeds United uh, played Wolves. And what I thought was impressive about this game was that, one, Bielsa never going to change his uh, the way he uh, structures his team. They're always going to be attacking. They're always going to play some eh, sketchy defense. And But Wolves are impressive defensively because uh, Leeds – just played possession that whole game. They had like seventy seventy percent possession and still couldn't w- get uh get shots on goal. And so, for uh for Concacaf people as we are, it's good to see Jimenez score. I know it was a deflection, but still, it's nice to see Concacaf people score goals in the Premier League. So, that's maybe the only positive from that. Yeah, James, were you able to see that game? He's one of uh, like Jimenez. I think is one of the best. The, like pure strikers in the league, really. I th- it, like he does such a great job of like holding up the ball, does all the dirty work as well. I, I really like him. But yeah, Wolves have. It was a really interesting game. I thought, considering it's only one. Like you look at it, you think, oh, it's one nil, not that exciting game. But I thought it was an interesting battle between the two teams. So yeah, Wolves. It was have. This is their best start ever in the Premier League. Really? Yeah. It's interesting. Fun fact. I I think Leeds is one of my favorite teams to watch. I'd rather watch Leeds than Chelsea actually right now. Because if Kepa's in goal, honestly, watching Chelsea is just like pulling teeth. There's just at any time we could be up three goals, and it's like, oh, we'll fuck that up. So, I was surprised when Traore came on; he didn't really have much of an impact on that game. I don't know what his deal is. I don't know international travel. He was just, I don't know, just hanging out in Spain too long. <coughs> That's Spanish nightlife. Yeah, we'll do the predictions. So just run through these quick. Yeah, we're gonna run through these quick. So James, I'm gonna call them out, and you will give us your score prediction. So Aston Villa. Oh, this is a game on Friday. I always like when the Prem does games on Friday. What a Friday Night Light situation. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this that's, is that's what they call it too over there. Th- they love it. Yeah, they, <laughs> a lot of football references. The American football. So we've Aston Villa leads. I'm saying Leeds are gonna win that. I'm saying they're gonna win it two one. Hot take. Bringing bringing Aston Villa back down to earth. Ooh, I like I love that. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I always am going to call for Villa to lose because, as I said, I'm from that area, and uh, <laughs> and so low. I'm a Newcastle fan. Sunderland is a rivalry, but because I actually grew up around a bunch of Villa fans, I really hate Villa. So I'm always going to say that's two one to to Leeds. <laughs> Fair. Fair. I think it's going to be it's going to be a great game. It's going to be cool to watch a game also on Friday. 
West Ham, Man City will be the first game on Saturday. I, you know, what? I'm gonna. This is where I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that West Ham gets a tie one-one. West Ham have been looking good. They've been looking. They've been looking good. Uh, I'd say good, not great, but good. They're better than they were last year. That's for sure. Interesting to see if De Bruyne gets back for that one. He's currently on the stationary bike. <laughs> Fulham, Crystal Palace. God, who cares? Um, Fulham, Crystal Palace. Uh, <laughs> Fulham are terrible. Crystal Palace, though, uh, I, I don't like watching just because they're so, so defensive, but I, they'll definitely win. It'll be 2-0. They'll beat, they'll beat Fulham. Yeah. Zaha's got to be like, finally, I get to play against like some Jamokes in the back. He's going to have a field day. He's so good. Zaha's so good. Ooh, this is one that, like, if Chelsea lose, I'm, my heart might stop. So, uh, United, Chelsea? Uh, I'm saying Chelsea will win 3-1. Uh, predict, but I do have to remind everyone before Chelsea and Man United have their first Champions League group stage match this week. On Tuesday, so tomorrow, 3 p.m., uh, tune in, everyone. Chelsea is playing Sevilla, Europa League champions, mm-hmm. and Man United is playing PSG. I think... That could impact this game. That will bit. impact this game. Yes, it will impact this game. I'm hoping Keppa dies. <laughs> gets left on the gets left. Out yeah, it's like a it's game. like a home alone situation. They like leave Keppa like and then you know it's like Kevin, Keppa <laughs> They like forgot Keppa. Where's the real Chelsea fan who's gonna like, you know, I don't even is the game in Spain? Yeah. Who's the fan who's gonna go to Sevilla, find Keppa, not mug him, steal his passport, burn it? Because now that they're not part of, you know, the UK's like left, I don't know. Just keep him away from Chelsea. Like, if he never, if he could be not allowed in Stanford Bridge, it'd be ideal. But you're going to go 3 1. I like that. This is like my theory. My theory is this week could be the last. I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking it would be have a nice little poetry if PSG blow out United, right? And then they lose to Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> And then and then they beat, beat by, and that's the end of Ole. So because he got the job because he won at PSG, right? That was, which was a crazy game that I bet money that they would win three one, which was insane. That was an insane game. That was like a wonderful Champions League night for the for the neutral. Yeah. So that's so I kind of like the idea that, that that that's also what kills him too, or part of what kills him. I cannot see Man United go beating PSG or even competing with PSG. I just don't under, I don't see not that. right now. Not, not right, right now. now. I can't see. Harry Maguire is going to get cut up. Dude, he's going to, he's going to his ankles might fall like be severed in half after that game. <laughs> Neymar's just got to be like you got to be kidding me. This guy slabhead. Dude, the Easter Island head versus Ney. Good luck. <laughs> All right, next game Liverpool Sheffield. Oh, Liverpool it's so hard to think like, without Van Dyke, it's a big thing, but Sheffield is terrible. So I'm saying three now. Mana's going to have a field day. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be Salah's going to have a field day. You know, they might even play Mini Mino in, uh, <laughs> yeah, in Jota. <laughs> they would just start because yeah. they do have a Champions League game, right? Yeah. So oh, that's true. They might get Jota and Mini Mino out there. Southampton Everton. <clears throat> I think Southampton wins this one 2 1. No Richarlson. No yeah. Richarlson. Pickford might be sad because. Hear everybody's Pickford's feelings. in his feelings for sure. He's in his feelings this week. Wolves, Newcastle. Oh man! So again, my, just we'll lose. But I, I'm three <laughs> now. <laughs> my one of my worst experiences in soccer was back in the day, nine, like 20 years ago, 1992. My uh, 30 years ago, my uh, we were in the league below the Premier League, and I went to and we we played at Wolves, and, and I went and watched it, and we got beat six two. 
So as long as we don't get beat six two, that's a. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I love that's a great take. Then I think you're gonna be okay. I hope. Should you lose six two, it'll be like the most ominous thing ever. People listen to this pod and be like, "That dude's Nostradamus." I think Newcastle defensively are similar maybe to Leeds. I don't think they're that much I mean, Leeds aren't that much better defensively than Newcastle and yeah, they held up okay today. So Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's the pessimist in me, but yeah. 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 It's pessimist. Uh yeah. the next game's gonna be a solid one. Arsenal Leicester. That's a good game. I'm saying two two tie. Is yeah. Vardy back? I don't know. I don't know. It all hinges on that. If he's not, I don't know. That's a really good question. Because he always scores against Arsenal. I feel like he always scores against Arsenal. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that's one of the teams he just always racks up on. Yeah. Brighton Hove, West Brom. Uh, Brighton 2-0. Brighton look good. I, I like watching them play. I like watching them play, too. they just a really open game. Ooh, and the last game of the week on Monday. Burnley. Tottenham. Tottenham are lucky they have this game. They're lucky they had this Burnley team. Yeah, but I mean Burnley. You guys can't defend, but Burnley can't attack. So you probably so right. I think Spurs got a game in Europa League as well this week, probably. So I don't know. probably do on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say I think Spurs will win, but probably like two, two one. Yeah. Two one sounds about a win, definitely. Scoreline, I don't know. Now we're gonna do Dave's picks really, really quickly. He has. Leeds, Aston Villa game, you want to take the over on goals, and that's at negative 125. And then you want to – Chelsea's uh, plus 170, so that's pretty good, over Man United. And that's just straight up. You just want to take that, so that's nice. If Mendy plays. Facts. Facts. Yeah, I did have a question from a uh, listener, Je- uh, Jeffrey Cronin. Oh, listener Jeffrey Cronin, PhD. Yes. Uh, he asked – What's the deal with Mesut Ozil, and is he ever going to play in at Arsenal ever again? Throw to James. No, I don't think he is. I mean, Arteta's. I don't know how they're going to get rid of the contract, but like he's Arteta's clearly not going to give him a game. I, I, I would maybe I don't know. Maybe he has like some like random five minutes in the in the League Cup in the Carabao or something like that. But I, I'm saying I'm ninety percent certain he has no more time for Arsenal, which is an insane amount of money to spend on somebody who's doing nothing right my question is what 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 happened and what what is the game plan like what 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 happened there like what i don't get why he's so sour he hasn't played in years what was the last time i can't even tell you the last time i saw him play in the Premier league and i was like oh he had a great game because he just doesn't I don't, how does that even work why is he being such a child I, I don't get it it's like we've all played for people we haven't enjoyed Everyone who's listening to this has played. Any soccer player has played under somebody you didn't enjoy playing for. But you kept playing. And if you're good enough to be in the starting 11, you're going to play. You're going to grit your teeth and play. Whatever. Like, at what point is the money that big a deal? Like, surely, like, even if that is true, that you like you really don't like the system or whatever. And I think it's a bit of both, right? Because he doesn't fit their system now because he doesn't really press because he didn't do any running. But like, fair enough. They surely you'd want to go and go play somewhere. It's not like like to me. Maybe this is like the fan speaking rather than the play, like when you're a player and you've probably got other financial interests. But like you earning all that money every week, surely you'd be like, okay, well I'll I'll go to a club that can't pay me as much every week, but at least I play every week. I don't know. It seems crazy to me. It seems insane to me. 
the whole time when Bale was at Madrid, I felt like he actually generally wanted to play. He just chose to do golf because Madrid was never going to play him. I don't understand that either. But the second a chance, uh, an opportunity arise, you know, like where his agent was probably talking with Mourinho and they were talking probably for a good amount of time once Mourinho came in and Mourinho was originally wanted to bring him to Madrid when he was there, but he left before Bale actually went. So he's always like Bale. Bale's like, okay, now I'm going to go because I actually love playing soccer. And I don't believe that Medsudosio doesn't like playing soccer. So I don't understand. It's a very weird situation. I'm glad that I'm just glad that my club isn't a part of that dog shit because I would be furious every week in and week out for spending so much money on a guy who's super talented who just sits on the bench. I would be so angry. He's not even sitting on the bench. He doesn't even make the bench. He's, oh, like no, he's, he's like around. He's in like Tahiti, like sipping like a pina colada. Like, I don't even know where he is. Shows up to training, I guess, right? Yeah, he's like the new Where's Waldo. There's just like pictures of around the world and Mesut Ozil. He's like at the Taj Mahal. It is an interesting question, though. Like, it's like that thing. All the Arsenal fans don't really want to talk about it because they know it's like it's there. It's happening. But they're like just they have to deal with it like that. That such a shitty contract. They yeah. could bring in like three other players or much higher quality. It's a strange, that team strange I, thing. I don't know what's what's going on with that team. So. Well, pretty whack, pretty whack owner. That's what I know. And like money's meant to be tight for them, right? They laid off a bunch of staff at the start of this whole COVID thing. They then they they've even like they've even fired got they've even got them fired the mascot. I don't know if you saw this, but like they got Gunnosaurus. R.I.P. Bro, you getting rid of Gunnosaurus, but not Mesut Ozil. I mean, it makes no, no, no. But I thought, wait, I thought, wow, full circle. I thought Mesut Ozil said he wanted to pay the Gunnosaurus <laughs> salary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to bring him back, which if I'm an Arsenal fan, I'm just so angry. I'm like, you're telling me there's a guy on the bench who won the World Cup, played at Real Madrid, played on all these stud teams. Now he's on our team. He sits on the bench. Our team is in such financial distress that we lose our mascot called Gunnersaurus. <laughs> and then this guy's like, don't worry, guys. I got it. I'm strapped with cash. I just assume like Mesut Ozil lives in, a, lives in a tiny house and he has like a Pablo Escobar problem where he's just like he has to weigh his money because that's how much he has. <laughs> Like he has so much money, he just throws it at Gunnersaurus. It's out of control. Well, I, it's 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 disgraceful because they're laying off people who actually need the who need the money. Dude, Gunnersaurus is he has a family. <laughs> <job>. <laughs> These little little Gunnersaurus. No, is it Gunnersaurus? <laughs> I meant the staff, like who work at. Do, do you not believe in dinosaurs, Jeff? <laughs> anyway, I know you move on. Get the fuck out of here. I think that's it. We don't. We're not gonna do fantasy this week. We we've run over time. Oh, you do. You don't want to do fantasy because you're fine. We'll do fantasy. So I'm in the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> His team's in the bottom. All right, the top is Justin Stradley with Swiss Cheese FC. Rodney uh, is in second with L- Los Bandoleros. Not so special one. Ozatik is in third. The bottom is Graham's gang. Samuel Graham. The second to bottom is Werner Bros because he's put a lot of faith in Timo Werner, who's finally coming off and starting to score. And then. In the last relegation spot is your boy with the boys and bolos team. So that rounds it out. Jeff has gotten out of the basement, which is nice. And now he's in six. I don't even know how that happened. Because I know what I'm doing. Do you? Making moves. You feel good about that? No, I'm not making feeling good because fantasy's so tough. So tough. It's so tough. Anyway. Well, James, thank you so much for being on the pod. Thank you. Good to have a Newcastle fan. Hopefully we'll have you back soon. Yeah. And uh Anytime. yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Definitely. Thanks a lot. Well, everyone, uh, don't forget about Champions League. You probably listen to this after the games are already over, but no, the games on Wednesday, I think. There's a game Wednesday. Game Wednesday. Yeah. Good Champions League. Week six is coming up. Europa for all those Spurs fans. This is the group stage. At least they made it into the group stage. Imagine if they didn't make it in the group stage. At least stage. they made it to the group stage.
That's like something. That's like something Davison Sanchez's mom tells the him. The bar is extremely low after last season. Okay, extremely low. This is next level. They made it to the Champions League final two seasons ago. All right, all right, all right. right. No one cares. Ciao. <laughs> Ciao. You were devastating. You were dominant. But then what happened? Football. And uh, of course, I, I I have to analyze uh, the second half, and I have to to do it internally. But for you, I prefer just to say that football happened. And I prefer to praise uh, West Ham belief because it's not easy to be losing 3-0 and to be, let's say, dominated because we had the game under control. It's not easy to keep the, uh, the belief. I knew that they are a completely different team this season than they were uh, last season. So I give them credit. But of course, to, to concede three goals and to lose an advantage of, uh, of three goals is, um, is a big punishment and eventually uh, deserved. One thing that's never really come into serious consideration is that when there are challenges that are made, you could say at the reckless level, which would be endangering an opponent's uh, safety and above, I really do think that uh, if that is the case, that uh, the powers that be have got to look at maybe to, as a deterrent to say how long the player is out, which you tackle, whether you meant it or not, is how long that you'll be out suspended. Because, like I said, these type of tackles and the one later on, from Richarlison, uh, even though I thought Richarlison's was worse uh, than Pickford's. And regardless if they mean it or not, it's putting the other players at risk and in danger. And I think the only way, like I said, long term, uh, to, to deter players from actually putting themselves in the position where they're going to risk an opponent is to actually consider that rule. Wow. I'm, I'm not even thinking about offside, but these people who make these decisions, who sit in Stockley Park, can look at that and think, that's offside. I just don't get it. They just don't know what they're talking about. They don't. I've been to Stockley Park a year ago, over a year ago. It is nigh on impossible to make a mistake with the technology they have, the time they give themselves. It's nigh on impossible, and they can still get it wrong. That, that, that was an assault. That wasn't a tackle. That was an assault. Jamie, your take on it? Thanks for listening to the Boys and Bolos podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, Twitch, at Boys and Bolos. If you'd like to be a guest, please reach out. You can hit us on any of the social media accounts that Jeff just mentioned or email us directly at boysandbowls at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.